it's about to get going to Rayono, Rat Island. I'm Carl Smith and I'm on a small boat jetting across a clear lagoon in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I'm following two international teams of scientists as they attempt two experimental eradication projects. My first destination, the uninhabited island of Rayono, is about 60 kilometers off Tahiti and it's home to giant blue land crabs and nesting seabirds. But now invasive rats threaten to drive the native birds out of this fragile ecosystem. Wow. Okay, so I've, I've just gotten off the boat here at Rayono. It's a very brief sandy shore and then a thick, dense wall of vegetation. You can see and hear bird life all around you. It really is a tropical paradise and it feels untouched. Although I know that here rats are causing some massive problems. Which is why I'm traveling with volunteers and hundreds of kilograms of rat poison. It is all or nothing, really, because it takes actually one pregnant female to ruin all the planet. That is usually several years. Dr. Araceli Seminiego is leading an ambitious project to kill off every single rat here on Rayono. The island's less than 800 meters long and just a few hundred meters wide, but thousands of rats live here. On other tropical islands across the Pacific, rats have already caused localized extinctions of species of lorikeets, warblers, rails, doves, lorries, sandpipers, flycatchers, the list goes on. So the goal here is to restore this island paradise where there's no human settlement at all as a stronghold for nesting native seabirds. So we have the um, red footed boobies. They nest on the canopy, so they are literally above of us. <laughs> we hear the notice, also the turns. You can hear the rats as well. Some of them are squeaking around us in the wild. They eat pretty much everything, so they are huge problems. One, because of the damage they cause, and two, because how widespread they are. They have caused a lot of extinctions, many kinds of plants many kinds of animals. A lot of these animals just never had to deal with this type of predations. And even if they don't eat all of them, still they disrupt the ecosystem. So yes, you still see plants and animals here, but it's a completely different composition. What we see here is mostly the, the larger species, the ones that nest above ground, the larger crabs, for example, some plants, but just the island that is next to this one, the vegetation is quite different because there are no rats. Rayono is one of 13 tiny, lush green islands that make up the Tetiaroa group. These islands, or motus as they're known to local Polynesians, were one of the last parts of the world that humans reached around 1500 years ago. Now, the volunteers that I've traveled with are all ready to chase down their foe and they're currently putting on helmets which is something I definitely didn't think about packing into my bag. The helmets are for protection. 
There's nothing dangerous on the island, as in poisonous animals or anything like that. But we have lots of coconuts. A falling coconut can kill you, really. And this is your island. You're living here for five weeks. I'm the queen of Riona. <laughs> Araceli is one of the best eradication experts out there. Her career of 15 years is full of successful eradications. But the remoteness of this island is incredibly challenging. It's difficult to communicate. It's difficult to coordinate having volunteers out here to help get the work done in time. And just the logistics of wiping out an entire species, that's difficult at the best of times, but out here, it's even more challenging. The best you can do is to put bait on the ground the same day. The same day covering 100% of the island, like no gaps at all. Uh, these animals have really uh, small home ranges, they don't move that much. And we have the problem of the land crabs, that they love the bait. <laughs> so we need to make sure that uh, we put bait at um, each rat territory and that they get it before the crabs. So everywhere you go here on Rayono, you can see these colorful flags. <laughs> Crab hole. <laughs> you can see these colorful flags every sort of 20 meters. And the volunteers are helping to lay this grid and to check it. Having an accurate grid means that the volunteers can just walk these lines across the island and drop their bait every 20 meters. Now, as the volunteers are working on the grid, I'm joining Araceli in her makeshift field laboratory, which is just a white tarp strung between a few trees. Because alongside the eradication project, she's also coordinating a suite of research programs here on Rayono to learn more about how best to hunt down rats in ecosystems like this, and to make sure other native animals aren't casualties along the way. We are going to track different aspects of the rats from the breathing to the movement to the ecology and diet and all kind of things to inform the future of this project which is removing rats from the other motu on Ticheroa and from there of course all the information will be useful for many other tropical islands around the world. Rodent eradications have proved difficult. For example, after a $2 million attempt on Henderson Island in the South Pacific in 2011, just 80 rats survived, but now the population is back up to over 100,000. And tropical islands like these have been harder for successful eradications. Araceli is particularly interested in whether year-round breeding in warmer parts of the world stops new mother rats venturing out of burrows to eat the bait. And also whether the sheer abundance of food on an island like this might make it harder to catch every individual. To help test these theories, we're about to glove up and pull out one of the rats that she's just trapped. Seems dangerous. You're squeezing its butt and its butt is pointing straight at your face. <laughs> Was there ever a point in your life where you thought you'd be squeezing poo out of a rat's bum on a tiny uninhabited Tahitian island? <laughs> Uh, not really, but actually for my undergrade thesis, I was collecting poo from sea lions. Because poo can be important. It holds lots of clues about diet and behaviour. One of the main differences between the tropics and temperate ecosystems is that rats pretty much reproduce all year long. But we don't know 
the details of when they are actually breeding, so especially the females. So one of the main questions is, do the females have a different diet? If that's the case, would they react differently to the bait? I'm leaving Araceli still squeezing and dissecting, and I'm off to catch the only other permanent resident here on Rayono for the eradication. PhD student Marcus Grunwald from the University of Auckland, who's currently busy with a pile of cameras and traps. Well, this time we're here for three weeks, but it's the fourth visit. The days are long, the working days are long, the climate, it's, it's very exhausting to work in the tropics. I have my own little project here on the island. I try to use camera traps to estimate population density. At the same time, I see the behavior around the traps. What do the rats actually do? Now, to find the right places to set up these traps, Marcus and Araceli have been tagging any rats they've caught with tiny radio transmitting collars and using a receiver to track them down. They're also using these to collect data about rat behavior, which they say will help with future eradications. We want to figure out where do the rats actually live, where do they breed. Nothing is really known. What do the boars look like? I want to know how much do they move per hour, for example, in a night. What's the home range of, of the rat? All these things are very important for successful eradications. And you know how much bait you actually need when you know the home range. So we're going to be tracking down rat burrows. The telemetry equipment that they've got is calibrated for each of the radio collars that Araceli has fitted around some of the rats that they've caught so far. So we already have about 10 running around with a nice orange <laughs> collar. Yep, I think I pick up something so that's number 10, then we turn the volume up. And then it's quite different. Okay, so Araceli, using the radio telemetry, it sounds like just underneath that tree over there, there's a rat burrow. Exactly, and we are trying to get inside with a little camera and hopefully try to monitor, because we don't know, for example, okay, a lactating female, would they take one piece of bait and would they take it inside the burrow and offer it to the young. And understanding what new mother rats want to eat is incredibly important because if just a couple of rats remain, then this island could very quickly be home to the exact same number of rats. Exactly. It has to be really 100% success. It's all or nothing. So I'm walking on Rayono. At night, I've got a torch with me, and every few meters that I'm walking along, I'm seeing rats. Literally every couple of meters, I'm seeing another rat. Now, these guys say that they're going to be working until very late tonight. Things haven't gone completely to plan out here. It's been so difficult for them to coordinate volunteers, equipment, timing. So, Araceli said they'll be working with headlamps well into the night. I might go join them to see how they're going and, and maybe lend a hand as well. We are not going to tag this one, but we're going to dispatch it. Dispatch? <laughs> yeah, that's a formal term. So you used a ruler there to break its neck? 
and it was quick. Yeah, yeah, it takes two seconds. It's the most humane way to do it. Of course, we don't enjoy that. I actually like them. I respect them a lot because they are they're amazing animals. They're really smart. They are very flexible. Like I've seen them living in really harsh environments and it's a shame that it's because of us that now they are all around the globe causing problems. So that's why it's our responsibility as well to do something about it because we are losing a species, especially on islands. That's why I, I do it. Now, you're a professional rat chaser. What, what's it like chasing rats for research, but also for eradication? <laughs> professional rat chaser, I like that. I'll put that in my card. <laughs> well, I, I love it. I see it as a privilege. I feel that I'm always doing something useful and I, I've never questioned, should I keep doing this? Because I can literally see and touch the results of my work. Now, after 15 years of doing this, I, it's just amazing to go back to the places where you suffer and sweat a lot and you go back to the island and it looks better, it is better, and then you see a lot more things. It, it's always surprising. Of course, we expect benefits. I've never been in a place that it doesn't surpass that. And as I'm attempting to sleep here on Rayono, giant blue coconut crabs and rats are rustling outside my tent. So I've just stepped outside. It's morning here on Rayono, and the morning birds are making these sometimes terrifying sounds, actually. <laughs> they're very loud and they're very oblivious to humans being here underneath their nests. Now, Araceli just told me that they are racing to get things done here on the island to prepare for the, the big eradication attempts using their bait. But she said that they've just got to postpone the baiting release by a week. If they're not ready to drop bait evenly across this whole island, then that's how mistakes are going to happen. It's really important we get this done because we are not talking just about Riona here. It's uh, tropical islands in general and, and some of the information actually for any island in the world. But we'll get it done. We have all the pieces. We just need to wait for the right moment to do it. Now, as new volunteers are arriving here on Rayono, I'm heading back to the main island of the Tetiaroa group called Onatahi. While Araceli is one of the best when it comes to coordinating rat eradication projects in the field, her partner in this project is James Russell from the University of Auckland, and he is a world leader in the science of rat eradications. Now, he's been delayed because boats and flights out to this island atoll are incredibly difficult to coordinate, but I wanted to catch him because his home country of New Zealand has some remarkably ambitious plans when it comes to getting rid of rats. Around about the same time as New Zealand reached its 50th anniversary of rodent eradications, a number of important voices in New Zealand pointed out that, well, why should we stop at just the islands? New Zealand is just an, an island archipelago. The largest islands are the north and the south. So let's just continue. And so Predator Free New Zealand is this really ambitious goal, hoping we can remove the rats and also the, the invasive stoats and possums, which are other mammal pests we have in New Zealand, remove them from the entirety of New Zealand. So what is the broader plan here? 
here. So is it just Rayono? Rayono is very much just a stepping stone. It's a tool to understand a lot more about rodent biology on tropical ecosystems so that we can replicate this. Even if we do fail because of all of the intrinsic challenges that we face working in somewhere remote as, as French Polynesia, it's only a failure if we don't learn from it. And in particular, what we're doing on Rayona is trying to learn what makes tropical island eradications fail. It's the remoteness of this island chain in French Polynesia that makes the motus of Tetiaroa attractive experimental sites for scientists. They're kind of like living natural laboratories for research projects like the rat eradication. The islands were actually once owned by Marlon Brando, so the only human settlement here is an outpost research station and a luxury resort on this main island on Atahi. So while I'm here at the eco station, Lady Gaga is over at the Brando Hotel dancing with Princess Charlene of Monaco. Now, I mentioned there were two experimental eradications underway here in the atoll of Tetiaroa and on this main island in the chain on Atahi. Dr. Harvey Bossan from the Institute Louis Malade in French Polynesia is using this living laboratory to test a new technique to wipe out mosquitoes. Three, two, one. There was a big swarm of them that flew straight through my face. There's some still on us. Yeah, that's typical. But these don't bite us, these ones? No, so that's the only reason we can release them. That's because they are male only and those males don't bite. Now, Javier, maybe you could tell me why you and all of these buckets of mosquitoes are here on Tetiaroa underneath this white tent. We're hosting today uh, about 25,000 mosquitoes, male mosquitoes, uh, which we produced in Tahiti, which have something a little different from uh, their wild counterpart. Those males, they're incompatible with their female counterpart in the wild. And those guys, they will be seeking for their mates. By doing so, they will essentially sterilize the females. And it's an absolute control, essentially. As the swarm drifts off, Harvey starts telling me that the project isn't just focused on removing an annoying pest, because mosquitoes are a vector for all sorts of diseases. Mosquitoes that are transmitting dengue and chikungunya zika are a real problem worldwide and especially in the Pacific. Pacific Islanders are exposed to recurring outbreaks year after year after year. The example of Zika is very striking. 2013 strikes very hard and that was the first occurrence even before Brazil of a severe outbreak with the so-called Guinabari syndromes, people who were suddenly paralyzed and also with uh, cases of babies that were born with small heads. Turns out that 50% of the population in French Polynesia was exposed and got sick as a result of this outbreak. French Polynesia, like other Pacific islands, have been playing as a hub for disease transmission across the Pacific. So we will certainly have an impact on disease outbreaks on other islands in the Pacific as well. To sterilize mosquitoes here in Tetiaroa, Harvey and his team are using a naturally occurring strain of bacteria found in many insects called Wolbachia. Two Wolbachia strains in the same mosquito 
in a female, for instance, become incompatible, and so they induce sterility in that female. By releasing thousands of sterilized males every week here on Onatahi for over a year, Harvey has seen a 90% reduction in mosquito numbers. And now he's looking to scale up the project. My vision is to essentially roll out this technology at island scales. And so we have a project for the building of a mosquito production factory to address the issue of disease transmission at population scale. So that disease outbreaks like dengue, chikungunya and Zika are a thing of the past in the next 10 years. So while these islands of Tetiaroa are used for some pretty remarkable field experiments, this twin eradication program, getting rid of rats on Rayono, getting rid of mosquitoes here on Onatahi, and then perhaps scaling these programs up. These field projects are also part of a, a bigger project, an incredibly ambitious experiment. And to hear about that, I've got to go to a neighboring island called Morea. Okay, so I just caught a flight here to Morea, and I have to say that flying into Morea was beautiful. It kind of reminded me of the island in the film Jurassic Park, actually. There are these huge, steep cliffs, mountains rising up seemingly straight out of the sea, and they were covered in dense, thick, dark green vegetation. And I'm gonna get a taxi down to Gump Station. Gump Station is, strangely enough, a campus of the University of California, Berkeley. And I'm due to meet up with the executive director there, Neil Davies, to hear about some of their research and how it ties in with the work going on in Tetiaroa as well. Taxi. Merci. This has got to be one of the best offices I've ever seen. Yeah, this really takes your breath away. I mean, it is the quintessential tropical paradise. Darwin, actually, when he came, looked across at Morea from mountains on Tahiti and said it was like a, a picture in a frame and the frame was the coral reef. Neil Davies is using this station as a base to try to build a computer simulation of the entire island's ecosystem. Uh, ultimate goal is to build a more sustainable, a flourishing planet. But to do that, that's vastly complex. Of course, we have to understand everything from the functioning of different organisms at a very local scale up to global processes like oceanography and, and the changes in our atmosphere. To make some headway on that and traction, we think we, we want to develop these model ecosystems, places where we can really understand things and how things function in a lot of detail. To do that, an international team embarked on a massive island-wide treasure hunt to classify every living thing on this island. Every scrap of data about the island that they could collect was fed into a supercomputer to make a digital model of Morea. The goal of all of that really is, can you predict things about the future? But not just of, say, a small component of the system, but of large features of a social ecological community. And these are the kinds of questions that really matter to human society. And the advantages of digitizing and putting it on a supercomputer is you can run experiments in ways that you can't possibly do in real life. Experiments like what would be the impact of removing a species or adding one, or what sort of ecosystem-wide changes would we see with a warmer climate? 
Although this digital version of Morea is still being built, the islands of Tetiaroa offer a unique chance to begin testing this model. So we can use the reference database we built up on Morea and apply it to Tetiaroa because it's the same biodiversity, just a subset of what we have here. So we can really, on this much simpler system, start to develop a complete island-scale predictive model. In theory, it should be easier because it's simpler. And the projects removing rats and mosquitoes on Tetiaroa can feed some very useful information about their roles in the ecosystem into the supercomputer. We want to use that as a really interesting large-scale ecological experiment, partly to test our models that we're building, these ecological models, see how good they are, and have that feedback into our systems so we learn something about ecology more generally. Uh, what is the role of these significant species in an ecosystem? A few weeks after visiting the islands of Tahiti, I'm now back in Sydney, about to call Araceli on Skype to see how the 800 kilogram poison bait release has gone on Rayono. Hello. Hey, Araceli, how's it going? Good, thanks. I'm very excited to report to you that we are 99% confident we are rat free. Congratulations. How does that feel? <laughs> Great, because this is a smallish island in the scale of global rodent eradications, but it was a very special case because it was an experimental eradication. So it is great that all that is paying off and uh, we learn a lot. And now we know that we can be a lot more efficient, both in Chicharoa and elsewhere. We never dissected the operations in such a way that we had all the details until now. So it's very, very exciting. So maybe soon the tropical island paradises of Tetiaroa will become strongholds again for some of the most fragile native species in the region. I'm Carl Smith, and next time on The Chase, we head to Outback Australia to walk in the footsteps of the mighty dinosaur. I'm Mike Elliott. We're on Karula. We had an old caretaker bloke here and he just said that he reckons they're dinosaur tracks and we thought, uh, silly old fellow, you know, paleontologist had a look and he said, yeah, they're dinosaur tracks, all right, and uh, yeah, I love dinosaurs. 